Hello, welcome to another episode of Soul Authentic Podcast. My name is Dr. Lynn Love, and today I have a special podcast for you with guest Dr. Chloe Hong Benialis, who is also a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, a master of NLP, a mental emotional release, and so much more. She is a Chinese Korean woman who has been on this path of healing, and I got to have a really special conversation with her about her path, what took her here, and her journey of being an athlete, and what inspired her to start to learn about health and wellness and helping people through their mindset. In this episode, we talk a lot about Chloe's mental and emotional health journey, her first time with an acupuncturist, and she's an acupuncturist, which is so amazing because when you go full circle and you start to think about your early experiences with acupuncture, you're like, whoa, those were extremely powerful because they develop your understanding of what acupuncture can do in the world. Not only that, we speak about the permission slip to be yourself. We talk about taking ownership and sovereignty of what you want to do and that life is a gift and it's happening in the now. We talk about how mindset is so important and Chloe's journey with psilocybin and looking long term. We talk about emotions and Chinese medicine and its perspective on emotions. We also talk about the gift of fear, human design, and so much more. In addition, Chloe gives us some tools for coming back to one's center and creating space for the new to come in. She also talks a lot about human design and following your strategy and intuition, take aligned action. And she talks a lot about how building rapport opens up the door to many possibilities. Chloe reminds me that by surrounding yourself with the role models or the representations that truly align with you, help us fulfill and bring in our true desires. So if you're interested in any of the topics I had mentioned, give this a listen and trust that you will be inspired by Chloe and her journey with the wisdom of the body and the strength of mindset. I want to give you all my thanks for taking a listen and I send you love to wherever you are in the world. Enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Soul Authentic Podcast. My name is Lynn, the host and creator of Soul Authentic. And today I'm joined with a special guest, Chloe Hom. And this is a really special episode because she's also a doctor of Chinese medicine, master practitioner of NLP, mental emotional release, hypnotherapy, and licensed acupuncturist. She is dedicated to helping her clients connect with the strength of their mind to the wisdom of their body in order for them to embody their fullest potential. It is such an honor and such a blessing to have you on, Chloe, joining us on Soul Authentic to share your story, your message, and your mission. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Mm, so wonderful. Yeah, I believe like it's been such a blessing and a just magical way of meeting you because, you know, me and you met through Chinese medicine and I find your path and what you're putting out there incredibly inspiring. Um, you're not only a doctor of Chinese medicine, but you've been diving into all of these paths of learning and reprogramming the mind and and releasing emotion and 
I'm just wondering, you know, where did your journey begin with medicine? How did it all start for you with learning about your body and rewriting all of the stories that keep you keep you stuck? Good question. Great question. And when it comes to medicine specifically, I'm grateful in the way that with my maternal family and both sides of my mom and dad's family, I got to grow up seeing a lot of evidence, seeing a lot of examples of what, what longevity looked like. This weekend, for example, we just celebrated my grandfather's 96th birthday. And this is my Kung Kung, my Chinese grandfather. And he was a huge proponent of Chinese herbs, Tai Chi, and being involved in community. So a lot of the pillars that you might hear about when it comes to those blue zones where people are living to upwards of a hundred or longer kind of idea. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the path of medicine, I'm very grateful to have grown up in an environment where there were books on acupressure and herbs on the bookshelf. I had no idea that it would lead me down that specific career path because Maybe someone who's listening or maybe even yourself can relate when I was 18 and graduating or getting into college and then around 21 after I was supposed to be done with college and ready for the real world, no idea what I was going to do. I had an idea of what I liked to do. I had ideas of what I didn't like to do. And I chose kinesiology as my bachelor's degree because I grew up as an athlete and I was like, oh, cool, this would be interesting. And the indecision and the constant story I was telling about my or telling myself about the importance of living a life of purpose for mm. me at the time felt much more like a burden than it felt like a inward kind of flame calling me forth to a bigger vision and this burden essentially manifested as chronic anxiety symptoms whether it was through social anxiety am I not am I enough for this group Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Do I know enough? Am I enough, enough, enough kind of idea? Mm -hmm. And so this was perpetuated through neglecting the basics of self-care when it came to a critical time in my life. I was trying to build a business. I was coaching a JV Girls Lacrosse team. And I was also trying to keep my sanity in relationships. So what could be the thing that was sacrificed? And essentially, I chose to sacrifice sleep. I had this very silly quote, oh, I'll sleep when I die. And I almost died in a sense where I experienced a panic attack from neglecting my body so much, depleting it from sleep, from mm. nutrition, adequate nutrition, that I ended up in the hospital with an IV to replenish my body. And mm. so this was a almost a moment of awakening where after that, I was recommended to go through a series of psychiatry treatments that ultimately, even though my family, my mom, so love and appreciate her, she allowed me to make my own decisions, trusting, allowing me to trust myself, whatever that looked like in that moment. And for me, I was really grateful at that time to get the diagnosis of clinical depression because for me, my logic was if I had a problem, that means there is a solution. So at the time, the antidepressants helped me to fall asleep again because I was in such a sympathetic, go, 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 driven mode, the dark side of ambition, one might say, 
that I was having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, which of course, looking back, contributed to some of these anxious patterns or these depressive patterns. And so once I was able to establish that baseline, I found my first acupuncturist and that first treatment on the table never was exposed to acupuncture. actually didn't really take Chinese herbs as much as my grandfather did (laughs) up until this point. And I fell into the most deep restorative rest and I thought it was like six seven hours of sleep but it was a one hour acupuncture session wow like what is this magic what's happening and so over a course of two to three months I started to talk more to the acupuncturist and he's actually one of the practitioners at the school that we both ended up going to Pacific College of Health and Sciences previously Mm -hmm. Oriental Medicine Mm -hmm. And I later interned under him. So it was a really cool full circle moment where he told me, hey, this could be a great career based on what you're sharing. It's not easy and it's doable. I was like, okay, Mm. let me try out a semester. And then, you know, four years later, master's degree, last day of my master's, enrolled in the doctorate program. And that's been the path with Chinese medicine specifically. Wow. Wow so incredible and thank you for sharing your story because it sounds like you're coming from a place of so much resilience so much inner strength that you've built within so thank you so much because I know that's going to resonate with someone listening and that's medicine hearing that because if you can go through it and you can find ways that serve you and support you then someone else can as well so I love that It also sounds like you went full circle with Chinese medicine, like you saw Chinese medicine being used in your childhood and you came full circle. Like, did that actually kind of like set in? You were like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Did it feel like fully aligned? What's interesting is this is something I've definitely thought about before. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate about the space that you've cultivated with Soul Authentic, something that has been a huge revelation for me and within the last, I would say, year especially, has been the permission slip and the practice of allowing myself to be whatever I need it to be throughout whatever experience I was going through at the time. Remembering that who I was a year ago does not need to be bound to who I am today kind of idea. And sometimes endings can be full of friction and hard to let go, even though energetically, mentally, emotionally, I've already let go. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's like reclam or it's the claiming of like okay this is the end it's letting go so that I can step into this mm-hmm. now with that being said as far as oh this is a full circle moment as more and more of those events happen whether it's Chinese medicine and me actually looking at the books in for example growing up I really didn't look at all those books in the bookshelf they were always there though and how mm-hmm perfect of a metaphor is that for other instances in our life where I grew up in my grandfather and grandmother's house they had a huge like all the books but I didn't actually look at the books even Mm. when I was maybe lost and really felt weighed down by that question what are you going to do with your life what do you want to be 
et cetera. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then my family was like, are you going to go to med school? I was like, no, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> I had, I wouldn't say I always had this little bit of inner rebellion within me. So it's funny and very humbling mm-hmm. to see how full circle it did come around mm-hmm. where for me, what needed to happen was that if I was going to be a doctor, I wanted it to be on my terms. What does that mean to me? Kind of idea. A doctor of Chinese medicine, even now, I am in the process of booking a new like photo shoot for the next iteration of my branding for Extended Alchemy and looking back at the first photos where I thought I needed to be a little bit more professional and wear these certain type of clothes and have these certain type of poses, you know, with the fire cupping or whatever it is. It's like... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool because that's me doing the best she knew how to do at that time. Mm. And then little by little, we get to come back to ourselves, our authentic expression, our authentic Mm. self, our true self. Mm -hmm. And whatever it gets to be now is so perfect because I imagine 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, that's so cute, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) Now we get to be this. Mm, I love that and I feel like you hold yourself with so much compassion it sounds like with seeing these versions of yourself and being like well that's what I could do at that time that's where I was at and I definitely resonate with your story when I grew up I also was surrounded by Chinese herbs I had my mom putting like herbs in my kanji and doing gua sha on me and talking to me about the elements and when I was a kid I was like I just want to be a normal kid. Like, I just want to, you know, be like an American and not immersed in like my Asian culture. And so it's interesting because I also had full circle moment of coming back to the medicine and being like, oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. So it's really beautiful to hear your journey and also hear these iterations that you're going through and also how you get to take ownership and sovereignty over what being a doctor truly looks like and something that I've been diving into myself is that being a doctor in its most original form is being a teacher is being someone that passes on the medicine to other people as a guide it's not in fact being that in that fixer kind of dominator model it's passing on wisdom so people can feel empowered in their own body to heal themselves and I feel like that's so much of what you're doing and stepping into with you know the NLP and the emotional release and so I'm, I'm curious about how you know all of that those other modalities came into play and how that also impacted releasing the the unconscious subconscious beliefs that were holding you back Absolutely. And I appreciate what you mentioned about the desire to be a normal kid kind of idea. I remember like, I don't want to eat with chopsticks. I want a normal lunch at school, all that kind of stuff. And like, why do I have to wear this today for Chinese New Year? And now it's like, yeah, Chinese New Year Mm -hmm. kind of idea. And when it comes to the journey of NLP, what's really humbling is I actually got to chat with one of my greatest teachers on that path yesterday. Mm. And so this all started in my second to last semester of our master's degree. Mm-hmm. And to be an acupuncturist in California or to sit for the board exam at the time, we needed to have so many hours of academia, so many hours of clinical work and treat so many patients within school. So our first patients out of school are actually not our first patients. 
and it was my second to last semester of school. I This was my year 27, my chapter 27 in living, and it was one of the most expansive years for me personally mm-hmm. from a growth and development perspective. Mm-hmm. This Right before I turned 27, I experienced a head-on car collision 12 hours mm-hmm. after getting broken up with, with a long-term boyfriend, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Like, okay, I had one of those come to Jesus moments of like, Mm -hmm. life is short. Life is a gift. Every single day is a gift. And while I love planning for the future and creating visions for this grand life, Mm -hmm. all that's happening is right now. So I had a little bit more of a like, let's just do it attitude after that going into my 27th year in life. And so Mm -hmm. it actually started with trying out for the USA national handball team, the women's beach handball team. And in a really cool a series of events, I actually was able to secure a spot on two different international rosters for tournaments in Brazil and Colombia. So I was, whoa, high on life kind of idea. I remember getting off the plane, going to LAX, taking a train and like sitting down and taking an exam for a physical exam, like mm-hmm. back at PCOM. I was just like, what is this life kind of idea? So yeah. I have this very much so like, whoa, like our mindset is so important and I began to look into communication and mindset and then somehow NLP got brought into my world. And I remember looking for schools to study this at, and I was seeing schools for like $4,000, $8,000. I was like, Hmm, okay. Sounds interesting. Which one is the best? And then I was recommended to the empowerment Inc with Dr. Matt James from a friend of mine. And at first I was taken aback, like, wait, why is it $197? This mm. is this is strange. <laughs> yeah. However, the person who recommended me and my friend Liz to this training, I really trusted. And I was like, okay, if she recommends it. She's gone through everything with this company. Let's let's look at this school. And I remember sitting in the first day of NLP training, and I was missing school for this because it started on a Thursday and felt so at home. I was remembering the the specific moment where it was like, wait, this is what I was looking for. You know, I started Chinese medicine school to be an acupuncturist, to be a doctor of Chinese medicine so that I can enable and help facilitate change for my patients, for my clients in a way that causes them to feel better, to really Mm -hmm. feel better. And part of that I knew was about mindset at this time I was definitely consuming a ton of Tony Robbins, Lisa Nichols, Brandon Bouchard, all these big thought leaders and NLP when they pulled up the screen like who uses NLP or who has been trained in NLP those people were on it plus a bunch of other people who I recognized Bob Proctor etc I was like oh my goodness and then towards the end as we got to learn more and more of these techniques tools and theories they mentioned something called mental emotional release which is a brief form of timeline therapy that's clinically proven to help someone to let go of unresolved negative emotions and limiting beliefs and I was like wait that's what that's the missing puzzle piece I need to have that now like that's what I want to do that's my path and I actually almost dropped out of acupuncture school because Mm. I was like wait this is the thing And my parents were like, please do not drop out. Like you have one more semester of school, then you get your (laughs) license and then you can do whatever you want. 
I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. So the last semester of school, it was still a little bit back and forth. I was like, well, you know, master practitioner training is, it's technically two weeks. You could do it like a year apart or whatever you want, but I want to do it back to back because I just want it. I want it all now kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And Thankfully, I will always say that day trips to Joshua Tree with the medicine and psilocybin is what kept me so sane and re-centered me throughout the last semester of school to remind myself of the path, like the long-term vision. Because as someone who is school-driven, sometimes I look too short-term versus like remembering the long-term path, Mm -hmm. at least at that time, especially, especially. And so... Four years later, I actually was able to complete my master practitioner training a year later after studying more and more of the work. I became a trainer of neuro-linguistic programming and mental-emotional release with the vision of, and I'm in the process of creating a certification program for acupuncturists and doctors of Chinese medicine specifically, knowing that we have so much in our toolbox when it comes to the theory and application of how emotions impact the physical body and vice versa. Mental emotional release and NLP are simply additional tools to add to that toolbox to further help facilitate change within our patients and clients. Remembering that it's not a do-to process. It really is a do-with process. Mm-hmm. Wow. Such, <laughs> such a medicine there. And it just, it really is amazing how much it almost feels like, and this kind of goes out to, to just in general, like sometimes in your life where you're like, oh, I'm doing this thing and doing this thing when things don't feel connected and that moment where they start to do, they start to integrate and you're like, oh, this is how these things overlap. And, and that creation process starts to happen. It's really special that you're bringing in that piece about healing the emotions, releasing the emotions, and how much of Chinese medicine understands the emotions and the physiology and like, you know, what it does, what emotions do in the body, what it does to the chi. So what a beautiful marriage between that medicine and then the medicine that you have picked up through NLP and through a mental emotional release. And, you know, it's interesting because so much of what we do is helping people rewrite habits and patterns and behaviors and a lot of those things are stimulated and like almost triggered by emotions right so i want to ask you you know why is it important right now for us to be in the emotional releasing you know how our relations tied to illness and, and dis-ease within the body. Can you explain a little bit about, about that from your perspective and helping your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, such an important conversation and something that I can start with to ensure we're almost all on the same page is like, well, what are emotions? I say mm-hmm. emotions, I experience emotions. What are they? Mm-hmm. So from my perspective and what I'll base this conversation on is that emotions are the chemical end products of past experiences. And they are the essentially the mental stimuli that influence our state and under normal circumstances don't contribute to dis-ease or disharmony. 
Mm-hmm. And as far as like, cool, well, when does that happen? What's really neat is from the context or from the background of Chinese medicine, they have over 2000 years of education, theories, and quite honestly, evidence where they can show that emotional stress, emotional baggage, one might describe it as, Mm -hmm. has been identified and has been a contributor of causing what we call internal damage to the organ systems. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say like, oh my goodness, anger is going to like hurt my physical liver. And it's like the organ system as a whole is different than the organs from a Western medicine perspective. And when we talk about like, cool, how does the, how do they cause the injury? In a very big picture level, what we could say is that if Chinese medicine as a system is created in a way so that we can promote the optimal flow of qi within the body, mm-hmm. any kind of suppression of emotions, because event, emotions can also be described as energy emotion, that mm-hmm. may lead to stagnation. So not so much optimal flow within the body. If there's any stagnation, you could think of maybe a body of water that has not continued flowing in the way that it's supposed to be flowing. Mm -hmm. It can become stagnant and that's where things start to grow that maybe shouldn't be growing in that area, which would contribute to disease, various symptoms, etc., And this is further validated by studies of kinesiology, epigenetics, Mm -hmm. psychoneuroimmunology, where they are directly showing us through the research about how our mental and emotional states impact neurotransmitters, different hormones within our body, which then, of course, Mm -hmm. impact the physical body. So that would be like the bottom-up approach. Mm -hmm. From a top-down approach, thinking about something like neuro-linguistic programming or anything that's directly going to deal with our mental mindset kind of idea Mm -hmm. is that as we take a top-down approach how are we interpreting these emotions or these states or these different shifts that we go through and experience mm-hmm. for some people I'm very grateful for myself for example that one of the first personal development books that I read was given to me by my parents and it was titled the gift of fear and, and so while for some people fear was it's something that can be paralyzing and for a point in my life especially when the panic attack, there was a sense of fear that caused a freeze or a like p- very internally paralyzing response. And mm-hmm. later on, especially today, is something that I'm very grateful to have cultivated through various journeys in this adventure we call life is that fear can be a pathway, kind of like a flag. Hey, let's look at this because on the other side of this, you will be stronger, you will be wiser, and you will be way more resilient because I need you to come face me and go through me kind of idea. Mm. So that's the top-down approach where there are, yes, we say negative emotions and negative, I describe it more so as the way it's weighted within the body or experience of the body where Dr. David, I'm actually not sure, he has a PhD, David R. Hawkins, he has a great book called Letting Mm -hmm. Go. I believe it's The Art of Surrender. And he speaks to the idea and power versus force that a negative feeling instantaneously causes a 55% loss of muscle strength. 
And you can imagine what that is like as a doctor of Chinese medicine. If someone is describing something they're going through and instantly they have this experience of like, oh, I'm, I'm weak or mm-hmm. I'll never get better. And then boom, this like literally feels heavy for them. Whereas after an acupuncture session, something I constantly hear and have heard is, oh my goodness, I feel so much lighter. Or even after a mental emotional release session, I feel like I can breathe easier is a common response. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Yeah. You know, this is really reminding me as well that you're, what you're saying to yourself and the language that you have towards yourself and the way you're interpreting your emotions impacts how your emotions are also going to affect what's happening. So it kind of reminds me a little bit about um, Dr. Uh, Emoto Isaru's uh, water experiment and and just being able to speak to the water with positive affirmation, negative affirmation, and just seeing what changes in the molecules of these these you know test tubes of water right and so it's almost like everything that we do every every single pattern and behavior shapes the molecules of our water and it's really interesting because so much of chinese medicine is about increasing the flow and removing blocks to stagnation and it's it's interesting as well because it takes this understanding of the functioning behind the organs and gives them an intelligence behind itself right i think in western medicine we've kind of taken away that each organ has its own intelligence. But within Chinese medicine, it's saying that, in fact, your liver has its own intelligence. In the book, The Emotion Code by Dr. Nelson, I'm not sure if you've read that, but he actually says that each one of our organs has a function, has a role in producing that emotion, and that's supported by Chinese medicine as well. So it's amazing. do, Do you tend to focus specifically on certain organs or certain elements when you're working with clients as well? Yeah, that's a great question. I haven't read that book yet. I used to actually work alongside a very talented chiropractor who would practice emotion code, Mm -hmm. the emotion code. So that was really neat to see and experience as well. And when it comes to working with specific organs with clients, I wouldn't, so based on where I am so far, not so much specifically. Mm -hmm. And what's really beautiful from a Chinese medicine perspective that you might be able to relate to is that we deal with patterns in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. So while certain diagnoses, whether it's anxiety, depression, our diagnoses, labels in and of themselves, from a Chinese medicine perspective, those are actually parts of patterns. It's not the label. It's not the one thing that we're going to treat. We're going to ask you about everything going on because in Chinese medicine, the mind and body are inseparable. Mm -hmm. You treat the whole person. You're not just treating the mind. You're not just treating the body. You are treating the whole person. Mm -hmm. So I will have context within my mind as far as, okay, based on what this person is sharing with me, 
some little bells are ringing. Like, let's ask some questions that would cause me to get more information about how liver is doing and mm-hmm. what's going on with lungs, what's going mm-hmm. on with the heart kind of idea. And similar to the idea that everything is interdependent and connected, whether it's looking at the five element cycle and seeing the generating cycle, seeing the controlling cycle, which is super duper cool. Mm-hmm. It's thinking about like, well, if the liver is in excess, why is that? What's going on with the other elements? And that's the real mm-hmm. art, I think, that comes with being able, having the privilege of going to four to six years of school for Chinese medicine comparative to reading just a book on it. Not to say that there isn't wisdom in that book. It's the application and remembering that for me, at least being able to be in clinic and see real living people and what they were bringing into the clinic it was a little bit different than what we learned in the textbook which offered even more context and even more texture and color to what we were learning for sure I do agree with with so much of that and definitely it is a journey going through school it is an initiation and changes you I definitely was a different person when I went in and a different person as I'm going out. And you're right in the fact that Chinese medicine becomes so embodied and it's such a rich body of of work, right? It's based in centuries of study and documentation and, and empirical research. And so when you're actually in the room with the patient and you're able to sense what's going on and you have that context and you can kind of see what's happening in that pattern it just gives you so much more richness and you know to also see them as a person going through a certain pattern I think is really really important because you know in school we're kind of taught these are the little protocols that you can do these are the things that you want to do when you have this presentation but what it sounds like is when we have clients, they're coming with all sorts of experience and story and cultural influence and social influence. And so being able to kind of take that and see the person as the person and treat them for where they're at now. I love also that that impacts timelines. And that's something that you've talked about and shared a little bit too. Um, If you want to share a little bit how healing now can impact past timelines and ancestors I would love to hear yeah for sure and something that I feel like it's important to share as a part of that specific conversation that you mentioned viewing the person Mm -hmm. as a person especially if there are any practitioners on here it's something that is important to emphasize is being able to practice cultivating a mindset where you really do see your patients, your clients, and the people in front of you as capable as being able to do whatever they say that they want to do. Because there's really cool research that shows how the doctor's perspective directly influences patient outcomes, whether they believe that this, they did a research study where they gave the doctor a placebo to give to patient but they told the doctor that it was the real deal and the doctor was like okay this is going to do wonders for you it's totally going to help you out gave the placebo to the patient it worked 
And then they gave the real deal to the doctor and told him it was the placebo. And he's like, I don't know if it's going to work. Let's just try it out. You know, worse comes to worse. We get some feedback. It didn't work. And wow. I'm grossly summarizing this. <laughs> wow. And this is evidence to the impact that we have for other people. And if you're not mm -hmm. a practitioner, imagine how that kind of impact has, what kind of impact you can have with your children, with your students, with the cashier in front of you, whatever that may right. be. Remembering that that person is fully capable of achieving whatever they do desire. There are not unresourceful people. There are simply unresourceful states. Right. And so when it does come back to, oh my goodness, please forgive me as I attempt to come back to the original question that you mentioned the timelines and like yeah. healing, healing multiple timelines and generations <laughs> and ancestral yeah absolutely so there's a couple of different ways that feel really exciting to share about that specifically and one would be from various lineages they do believe and they have shared with others that when you do your own healing it's going to heal seven generations in front of you and seven generations behind you mm. from a biochemical or biological perspective we, we know that our mitochondria and the for the best word as far as like i'll say the texture of the mitochondria and how they function gets passed mm -hmm. down from generation to generation and mitochondria the powerhouses of our cells are really important for our vitality our metabolism our mood they play a huge role within our body so right. they have evidence of that and then consider how cool it is that when we were within our mother's womb we were in the egg so if the grandmother has our mom inside of her while she's pregnant we are also an egg that's within our grandmother at the time so what our mm -hmm. grandmother is experiencing does get imprinted on some level down to us and so there's that connection there what's really neat and why i dove in even deeper i it was almost like the the turning point where i was like cool we are going to study more about human design mm -hmm. is that if one were to take their human design chart, which is essentially a energetic blueprint of where the planet, where the energy, where the neutrinos were, these really, really, really tiny atoms that pass through time and space and make this like snapshot, this like screenshot of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this human design chart, if you line up your moms and your grandmothers, you'll be able to see how the chart transforms to make yours yours and why certain conditioning, positive or negative, could have been at play and seen what evolved specifically, whether it was certain centers are defined, certain gates are defined. And if you're not into human design, what that means is that maybe certain aspects of how we carry our energy and relate with other people's energy have been impacted by our previous generations mm -hmm. kind of idea. Yeah. So really cool different ways of thinking about this idea of timelines and remembering that if all we have is now remembering that theme of patience again that I get to learn and be reminded of over and over then if we want to change anything about our reality right now we've got to either look at the past 
and clean up something in the past, whether it's reframing an event so that we're left with positive learnings or a different perspective because our whole life is perception is interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. Or we drop something out into the future so that that changes how we feel now. You can imagine the difference of, hey, next week I'm going to be in Costa Rica and how that changes your thinking and your mood versus like next week I have my license exam and like, oh my goodness, this is going to be six plus years of all my learnings in one exam. (laughs) You're going to feel differently because of something that you perceive to be in your future. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Now you got me thinking about Costa Rica. (laughs) I'm like there. It's so amazing because when you do almost like project yourself into the future, you can start to like bring that into this timeline, into the now. I definitely feel that whenever I am planning to go to a place or I'm going to a place like Costa Rica, I like get into that like island time. And it's interesting because you can bring back those states and that's the same for the past. If you're connected to an emotion or to experience and that could be consciously or unconsciously you can be bringing it into your now and something that I've been learning a lot about recently and I love that you brought about human design I've been studying gene keys and looking into my gene key and it's like my gene key is I think the gene key 13 and it's all about the past And it's like, you have to remember that the future is being cooked in the past, Mm -hmm. right? It's being cooked in the now. So everything that's being reflected is being, was born from the past. And so much of what we're experiencing in the now, when it pertains to our bodies, especially these things are because of behaviors and choices that we've made in the past. It's because of mindset that we've had and we are connected to from the past, right? So I love that you're bringing in these pieces. I want to ask you one question. If someone is listening, you know, someone in the community is listening and they're like, okay, well, I want to tune in with a mental emotional release or, you know, I want to reprogram um, this, this fear that I'm feeling or there's something that needs to shift inside of me, but I just don't know. What is a simple practice or what are some simple things that they can do right now to support them through that? Great question. When it comes to, I'll share three different things. The first thing is going to be related to what's so important with any journey is awareness, right? Mm -hmm. So any way that you could cultivate a practice of self-reflection that allows you the time and space to come back to you, to your center. I love that in Chinese medicine, your center is your heart. There is a doctor of Chinese medicine who has described Chinese medicine as the medicine of coming back to your center. Mm -hmm. And what that could look like more specifically is journaling. It's great. It could be contemplating your jinkies. I also work with jinkies in my practice as well. And I love that my life's work is all about essentially taking, helping go from helping myself and others go from confusion to illumination through the pathway of imagination. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is why I love NLP. (laughs) 
And so there's this journaling that might look like for some people, they don't like writing. My boyfriend does not really love journaling. So he really resonates with going on a walk and using the voice memos app to talk through certain things and listening to it later. Mm. Other people might enjoy movement and either having a journal or the voice recorder there, or even doing a video. And it does not have to be a blog that you put on YouTube. It could be simply for your own records. I have somewhere I had epiphanies about where I wanted to be in my business and my life. And I was like, okay, not the voice. No, I just put myself on film. And it's really cool to look back on that. So cultivating Mm. awareness is key. This practice can help you discern where you are within your own journey as well. Mm -hmm. My clients, by the time we are done in whatever container we're working together, whether it's a group coaching program or a one-on-one container, they know something called the four requisites for change and embodiment by heart. It's a really cool framework that helps one to come back to wherever they are so they know where to go. And so these are requisites that you need for sustained embodied change to occur. Essentially, if you are on a manifestation path, making anything happen, whether tangible or intangible, these are four things that are required to do so. Mm -hmm. And so the first one is related to release or clearing the space. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, and this is talked about in Chinese medicine, that if there's an excess of something, we've got to clear it. We don't tonify excess because that just makes the pile of laundry we haven't put away bigger, right? So we've got to mm-hmm. put away the laundry. We've got to create space for the new to come in. Mm-hmm. And then once we've cleared the space, that second requisite for change is create a clear outcome. So set a new intention, create clarity on, okay, space is cleared. Now, what do I want to fill this space with? So you create an internal representation. Maybe it's the vision board. Maybe it is using the journaling, whatever it is so that you know where you want to go. And then after that, you've got to take action and stay focused. The third and fourth requisites for change. So aligned to action, something I share with my clients, it's about following your strategy and authority from a human design perspective. In we'll say basic terms what that means is listening to your intuition everyone's connection to and experience of their intuition is uniquely theirs and while we might have similarities you get to practice what that means for you what that looks like for you what that feels like for you so that you get to have agency in every choice that you make moving forward remembering that this is your life like you don't owe it to anybody this is your life kind of idea And the focus is so important because when it comes to evaluating what's in front of you, we can either see these obstacles as direct like blocks to where we want to go, or we can see them as challenges, invitations to become stronger, wiser, and more resilient. Is this obstacle a closed door that we simply have to open? Is this a redirect or is this something that's stopping me in my path? For example, I've always had the image, always for a long time, I've had the image of, okay, there is a, like, there's a big rock and boulder in front of me. What I get to do is learn how to either climb over it or somehow shape it into something that I lift and then it makes me stronger and then actually gets me closer to where I want to go. So how do you frame adversity in your mind so that you will continue along the path? Because 
while as a naive i would say like newbie acupuncturist or doctor Chinese medicine i was like i want to help everyone i want to make sure they don't feel any pain and that they live in a life that feels like really like fluffy good vibes only and actually yesterday got to have a really great chat with the client and she felt really good after the end of the session she's like okay cool like no more pain i was like and what i can promise you is that you won't be free from pain forever. It's a matter of how are we going to face and move through any pains that occur in the future, whether it's loss, whether it's separations, whether it's physical pain, how are we going to be ready? I appreciate my dad raising us with always be prepared. And for me, I turn that into always be ready. Like ready is a choice. How are you cultivating yourself or finding yourself today so that you can face whatever gets presented tomorrow. Mm. Wow, so many gems, Chloe. So amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. And I just want to ask you, um, how did you get really clear about who you wanted to work with? And, and was that process was just like, was it a process of elimination? Or, you know, how was that process for you, especially with having your own business, being an entrepreneur, knowing that you wanted to serve a certain community, like how did you just get really clear about that and your mission? Yeah, phenomenal question. And I can answer this in a couple of different ways. A being that I had clarity that continued to shift and continues to shift even to this day. And you mentioned being able to find that compassion for meeting whoever we were and are in the today, now kind of moment. So what that means for me is that the process has been an ongoing process. It looked like a lot of trial and error, and that could be my one, that's definitely my one three profile line from a human design perspective. I think three is about experience experimentation, trial and error, that kind of idea. So when I was in school and we had the privilege of being able to treat a wide variety of different kind of patients, I created some mental notes about the patients who I really, really appreciated working with and why. It often wasn't so much about the presentations or their symptoms kind of idea remembering that sure like and then I even tried that I will say it, a part of my entrepreneur journey I was like cool I'm really good at burnout so I know that I can help people with burnout and help them through that and then it was shifting away from that into more the mental emotional focus remembering that okay like what is the burnout about oftentimes a neglect of self-care due to a lower or a diminished amount of self-worth because they don't feel worthy enough to put themselves first. And then it turned into like, oh, there's a huge identity gap between who they see themselves as this high achieving entrepreneur or businesswoman, or even someone who's simply very ambitious and has a lot on their plate and what success looks like for them versus what they what success really would look like if they gave themselves permission to claim it kind of idea. So as a result of working with different kinds of clients and in different ways, I've been able to further and further refine 
who might this be a good fit for? And then who might this be a good fit for? As I've also differentiated the ways that I work with clients, where in the past it was, when I started my own practice, it was acupuncture. And it wasn't just acupuncture. And I don't think acupuncture is ever just acupuncture. The way in which I decided to practice was rooted in something called esoteric acupuncture founded by Dr. Miki Osanke. So it was really focused on the spiritual, mental, and emotional plane or the mental, emotional bodies of that person. And so I started to take more mental notes. What did I really appreciate? Feel almost like I came alive during the session with these people in front of me. There were moments, for example, I remember a client, I like to say client doctor instead of client patient. I feel like it's a different relationship for context. The client opened the door and she had tears running down her face. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? What did I do wrong? And she paused and she's like, oh my goodness, I just looked in the mirror and I realized how much I love myself. And I was like, mental note, like that's something that's huge Mm -hmm. because when we have this increased reverence, this love for ourselves, we do differently kind of idea. So long answer, it's been trial and error and it's been remembering that I can have different offers for different kinds of people knowing that my coaching service is a little bit different from the quit smoking service, which is a little bit different from the group coaching program and really acknowledging that the certification program that'll be coming out later this year is different than all those other programs. So knowing Mm -hmm. that we can have different, many business coaches call them ideal client avatars and whoever they are for those fits are perfect. Remembering that, I want to help a lot of people and I know I won't be able to help everybody and each person. So if you are working with a practitioner and you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I like Chinese medicine, acupuncture, maybe it's not Chinese medicine and acupuncture. It could be the practitioner, whether that's NLP and mental emotional release, everyone has their own flavor that they add. Mm. Everyone has their own background that they go through the same certifications and license exams with. So it might not be the modality, it might be the practitioner, because what's so, so, so mm-hmm. important, and we can get this from hypnosis, is that there's got to be rapport between client and practitioner. Rapport yeah. opens the door to so many more possibilities. So right. long answer. I hope that was valuable or helpful. It was very valuable. Thank you so much. And I love how you just embody the multidimensionality of who you are and what you've gone through. And that just flows into your offerings and what you can can give to your clients. So thank you so much for sharing so openly, so, so gracefully as well. Um, I'm so honored to have you on. And I just want to give you uh, some more space if you just want to share any last words about maybe any challenges that you've gone through with your business or stepping into being a practitioner of any of these modalities. And if you know anyone is listening, because I know someone's going to be inspired by your story. I know someone's going to be like, I got to check Chloe out and what she's <laughs> about. Maybe you can share a little bit about how you've navigated those challenges or any words of advice for anyone looking to go down those paths. Appreciate it. Something that comes to mind, especially based on the conversations that we've had offline, 
is the importance of representation. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a Chinese, Mexican, Korean woman growing up and being in this field of Chinese medicine, that at a certain point or in my career, in my perspective, demanded a lot of professionalism that I was sure able to fit the mold of, but still didn't feel like I was quite at home or able to be all in myself. Mm-hmm. I sought out other expanders or role models who may have been in different industries that were innovating the way that they were representing those said industries. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was so important. So if someone, for example, like myself, who I was seeking like that one person who would like represent everything that I wanted to expand into, to evolve into, I failed to find that one person. Mm. And what I've learned now is that there's so much value in having multiple role models or multiple expanders to allow my mind to see what is possible and almost like a being at a buffet like oh that's really cool let me try this on I guess that's not really a buffet we don't try on food <laughs> but like a clothing store like, let me try on this jacket like does it fit me in the way that I want to oh let's try on this pant or this right. shirt I like this outfit now this feels like me I got this Mm -hmm. from this store. I got this from this store. I got this from this store. Mm -hmm. So as someone who was seeking a representation of what I thought, because I wasn't ever really sure, and this is definitely my open G center from human design, wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted or who I wanted to be. It's been the practice of giving myself permission to be whoever I want to be now, whatever is like, yeah, whatever is giving me life in this moment, knowing that it's perfect for right now, because tomorrow, maybe next year, it's going to be different. So I want to, as the poet Ruby says, I want to slow down and be with this version of me right now, because in the Mm. future, it's going to be different. It's likely to be different. And the importance of surrounding myself with whether it is in-person models or whether it's books or even YouTube or whatever it might look like for mentors, role models, and expanders, being discerning about what specifically is lighting up within me when I am in their energy and within their space. Because it's not Mm -hmm. so much about them, just like you listening now. It's not so much about me. It's about what's coming alive within you that's activated and calling attention like, hey, why did that activate something within you? What's coming up for you now that you can shape into your own, that you can make your own outfit around if we're using that metaphor. So trusting yourself, coming back to your center over and over again, coming back to your supreme controller, your emperor, your empress, remembering that all that wisdom is in there. We don't have to know the whole path even if we know that first step, that next step is going to appear kind of idea. So mm. trust the process, go all in. If there's anything I've learned in the past year, it's going all in, like kind of those come to Jesus moments, remembering that I actually have a photo saved of what my car looked like after that to remind me, like we've got now, so mm. we can plan for the future. And it's so fun to do that with the vision boards and don't let it take you away from living now kind of yes. idea. Mm, such a 
amazing, amazing words. Thank you so much for sharing. And I feel like you're really, truly tapping into your expression of authentic and being able to share what that means for you and how it shows up because it really is about listening, that deep, deep listening that taps you into what's authentic to you in this moment, what's authentic to your higher purpose, what's authentic to what you're going to give to your clients, to your community. So I love that. Thank you so much. My question to you is what is your type in human design? Because now I'm so curious that you're like (laughs) bringing it up and I'm like, let's have this conversation about human design. (laughs) Yeah, I am a one, three emotional generator. Mm, Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Nice. Okay. So I am a manifesting generator. I'm a two, five. Um, And so it's interesting because you can use human design to empower you in using your energy and like managing that. And it sounds like so much of what you have done and what you've created is about being lit up. That's so much of the generator energy being lit up. And of course you have all these other um, types as well that are going to be activating in different ways. Uh, and so I just love that you're bringing that peace and you get to use that with your clients as well. So amazing. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And learning more about Gene Keys and life's work, there's a specific sentence that I love with Gene Key 64 and it's mm. if a teacher is really gifted. Their pattern of speech will actually calm the listener's mind, inducing a kind of trance in which to- truth can be transferred. And I read that and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the goal where we can utilize our language, this gift that we have to speak into existence, new realities, to invite our patients, our clients to kind of enter and welcome, not kind of, but definitely enter, welcome into a new possibility or a new realm of possibility. I read this and I was like, this is like Milton Erickson, who is a, if anyone wants to get more into like the master of conversational change, Milton Erickson is someone that the founders of NLP modeled to learn more about how he used language to facilitate change with his patients. So amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to actually look into that myself because truly it's, it's interesting being able to be in these positions, be in these spaces where we can allow and facilitate people's change through just our words, through just our frequency, through just our mindset and our mirror neurons and being that expander as well. So I love that. Thank you so much, Chloe. And how can people reach out to you and connect and work deeper with you if interested? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. I hang out the most on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Chloe Hom on Instagram. Hom is actually my middle name. And it's dr.chloehom. And all my links to my website or any current offerings are in that link in bio area. And if anything was sparked within you or you've had any takeaways or insights or any questions after listening or while listening to this podcast, please reach out. I love hearing more about what gets lit up through these conversations because I know for me, podcasts have been a huge part of my personal growth and development journey. 
and I've got a couple of one-on-one spaces. I'll be launching a group coaching program in April, and it'll be the second iteration, the second cohort of a program called Equanimity. And if you are a practitioner, a Chinese medicine doctor, a licensed acupuncturist who wants to learn more about this, the certification program is coming out later this year. So please stay in touch. Know that you have so much power within you. You're, you are infinitely intelligent and connected to so much wisdom. I am always cheering you on. Thank you so much, Chloe, for being such a light and sharing your message, your mission. It is such a blessing to have you on and I'm so grateful. So thank you. Thank you everyone that tuned in and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye.